Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Guys, uh, a famous writer once wrote and said that the three most important psychological needs of a human being are. A famous writer, let me read it again. A famous writer once wrote and said the three most psychological needs, most important psychological needs of a human being are number one. Should we say it? Sorry? Somebody saw So, Oh, next. To be known. To be known. Yeah, to be known. Good. Another one. Psychological needs. Psychological. Not physical. Not food, shelter, clothing. Psychological. There is belonging. Another one is. Wapezi. To be loved. Amen. Me and guys. Another one, love, another one, final Affirmation. We want to know that someone we adore approves of us, or people approve of us. The number one, though, is identity. Do you know yourself? Discovering who claims us, who we belong to. Who we are through our significant others. How do you define identity? Stuck in your game, you know, we are free from No, no. The couples. Mm. How do you define how do you define identity? How do you define identity? What is identity? Anyone? <laughs> How do you define identity? Sorry? Do you know yourself? Oh, sorry. Who you are as a person? Uh-huh. Any others? How do you define your identity? What's your identity? It is a fact of being who or what a person or thing is. It is a sense of who we are as individuals and as members of social groups. So, one of the questions that will run across today's message is do you know who you are? And this is obvious, I'm a child of God. Yeah, but do you know what a child of God really is? Do you know who you are? Ama, are you defined by a set of things that if Aziko, then who did you? We talked about Job a few months ago, who was one of, if not the wealthiest man in the land, the one with one of the biggest families, and that was all wiped out. Did Job lose his identity? No, he didn't. Who are you? You know that question. Because it is, it is a psychological need, identity is something that we literally crave. If you do not know who you are, then there is a problem. If you've never defined it, you are craving it even as we speak. Hey, am I of late? 
Am I still, you know? Kuna picha zile nilikuwa naangalia some 5 years ago na jiuliza, ah, was that? Was that me? 75 kilos, you know? Na jiuliza, ah. Sikuwa nimu nacheka but mimi nashangaa, you know, those ones. We want to be seen, we want to be heard. We want to be known for who we really are. That's identity. So do you know who you are? This is throughout our development as human beings and a German American psychoanalyst called Eric Erikson is one who has a theory on psychological development of human beings. He is the one who coined the phrase identity crisis. So I don't know whether there's some of us who are in a crisis even as we speak. You're like, eh, something is off. This is not me. I have changed. Because of such and such, things are not... It was aligned in my life. There is something that is just wrong. It is a questioning of oneself, the crisis, due to changes in age, career, or even relationships. Do you remember when she told you back in the day, or when he said, we are done. We look high school. You remember? Huh? Do you remember when he said, I can't date now. Uh-uh. I think I made a mistake. Remember how it took you to a place? That was a crisis of identity. Remember when you lost the job? When you found the job? When we started the church plant, hey, hey boss, hey, hey. when that was a crisis. Eric Erikson came up with eight stages of human development, and they are swallowed. Let me just go through them quickly. Stage one, he says, is infancy. Development here centers around trust and mistrust. Infants want to know who their parents are, who their guardians are. When a baby cries or fusses and you meet their needs by holding, feeding, caring for them, you build trust in kids. That's obvious. It is more difficult to establish this later in life if it is not given. And they may feel a sense of hopelessness when faced with a crisis. If you have trust issues, it is actually very possible to realize but maybe, just maybe, you never received the care you needed in infancy. Zero to 18 months old. Stage two, toddlerhood. 18 months to three years. Development focuses on autonomy. They want to be their own person. Zanda once told me, yeah, I can do this by myself. I don't need help. Like most. Okay, so how? But it is autonomy versus shame or doubt. Now, your toddler is learning how to do things for themselves. By giving praise, you help them establish a foundation for self-belief and autonomy. If you discourage your toddler, don't allow them to work independently, they may feel discouraged, ashamed, doubtful in their abilities. Ah, yeah. In case three preschool, development centers around initiative and guilt. Begins at three ends at five or somewhere there. Your child is focusing on things or doing things independently and begins to develop a sense of aims, goals, start to appear at this age. When they feel encouraged, the children take initiative to do things independently. My goodness, Zara is independent. Ladies, my daughter is just too independent for my liking. 
When I look at the ladies around, I'm like, hmm, they feel a sense of purpose in their life. If they are criticized or discouraged by caregivers, they may feel very guilty instead. Early school year, stage four, development centers around industry and inferiority, age six to 11. During this stage, the child is becoming aware of their individuality, they see accomplishment in school and sports, and they seek praise and support from those around them. If teachers, caregivers, and peers offer support and a sense of accomplishment, they feel competitive or, or competent and productive. If they don't receive positive reinforcement, they may feel inferior or incompetent. I hope you're seeing the trend. Adolescents. How many remember the adolescents? Hmm, yes, let me say. Mm -mm. Do you remember? Meshak is just smiling at Kengalia Chin. Attack it through the Yukon. Can you remember? <laughs> Development centers around identity. Here we are. It has taken how many years? Development centers around identity and role confusion. Begins at age 12 to age 18. <laughs> when we were 18, Jehovah. The psychological term identity crisis comes from this stage of development. If you miss it, oh, there's a problem. During, adoles during adolescence, you're trying to figure out who you are. Establish goals and priorities for your adult life. While leaving the parents who tell you, Time ah, is Before the sun goes down, I need to see you here. You are establishing your place in the world. If young people are overwhelmed by expectations and responsibilities at this stage, they may not be able to establish their identity. Let me say that again. If young people are overwhelmed by expectations and responsibilities at this age, this stage, they may not be able to establish their identity. This leads to confusion and what their needs and goals are. Identity crisis begins. And unfortunately, you may carry it to very later on in your life. Young adulthood, intimacy and isolation are the focus of development here. Stage begins at 19, ends to 40. Young adulthood, amen? Mm. During this time in your life, you're establishing and building upon relationships. Stronger and stronger. If you have meaningful relationships with friends and family, you experience intimacy with others. If you struggle with building these friendships or relationships, isolation and loneliness begin to identify you. Isolation and loneliness. Middle adulthood, 40 to 65. This is centered around generativity and stagnation or self-absorption. When you feel a sense of care and responsibility, it's called generativity. Sense of care and responsibility. You look out for those around you and feel the need to pass along what you've learned to your younger generations. You don't, if you don't act as a mentor in some capacity, bitterness and unhappiness begins. This leads to restlessness and isolation from friends, family and society. Imagine that. 
Class of Diona. Final stage, late adulthood. Centers around ego integrity and despair. Begins at 65 till the end of time. If you are satisfied with the life, you age with grace. You feel pride in what you've accomplished and want to demonstrate your wisdom to others. You don't feel a sense of accomplishment when you look back. If you don't feel a sense of accomplishment, when you look back on your life, you may fall into despair. When that happens, you tend to focus more on regrets. So where we go up? What are you battling in terms of your identity even as we speak? Where are you? Because all of us are somewhere on that ladder. In infancy, we are battling mistrust. 18 months to 3 years, we are battling shame and doubt. In preschool, 3 to 5, it's guilt. 6 to 11, it's inferiority. Adolescence, the crisis begins on identity. And so there's a lot of confusion in who we are. And then young adulthood, isolation of elders. In middle age, it's stagnation. And then, for those 65 and above, is despair. What is common in all these stages is the fact that in order to overcome shame, doubt, guilt, inferiority, confusion, isolation, stagnation, even despair, is we need to have a sense of achievement on every stage. We need to see progress. We need to see increase of sorts in what we know, what we understand. We need to achieve. We need to do something that can make us feel, not feel any of these things we just said. We need to do over and above the normal in those stages. That way our identity is in check. For example, to be honest, in order to not mistrust, a kid needs to understand that, oh, there's somebody here giving care to a level that I can trust. So, some level of goodness must happen. In order for us to not feel isolated, we need to build relationships. We need to achieve good relationships. That way, isolation does not happen. That way, we are seeing we will not struggle with identity. Doing great in life at any stage aids in the recognition of identity. If you build enough friendships, you're not lonely. But there's a danger, guys. If all you see as a measure of your identity is circled around being great or doing great things, building enough friendships, making sure the other person is available, there's a danger in that. Let me read Matthew 20, 20-28 for us. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, comes to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. Can you imagine if you had to ask a favor to, to Christ? I can be, Buddha, what favor do you need? Now, sir. What would you say? The mother of James and John went and, says, and then the Bible says, what is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these my two sons may sit at your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Yeah, confidence. Yeah. My sons have proven themselves. Grant that they sit. Can you imagine when Jesus goes in glory that they sit with Christ? 
in glory as mother of us. Verse 22, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to, to her, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Ah, kajibu na confidence. We can't, they answer. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. How dare they? How? Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be fast must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look at Christ's response. Let me read Matthew 23, 1 to 12 for us. It's the same thing. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Be careful what the teachers of the law are telling you. But do not do what they do. They do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they, they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher. And you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father, dad. Or, in this case, mom. <laughs> for you have one father and he is in heaven. No, I used to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is addressing a few things here. Number one is telling the disciples, his listeners, because the nation of Israel was under the domination of Rome, Italia. They were slaves in their own country. So he's telling them, guys, I know the posture of humility is frowned upon because it's the slave's posture. We are slaves. But the pride of the Lord of the slaves is what you guys love. That is what you want. Even in our country today, what posture is loved the most? The politician's posture. We complain about it. But when you meet them on the road, what do you do? Ah, Mweshimiwa. Mwesh. I have a Mwesh's number on my phone. Don't ask me. But I know him very well. That's the posture we like. The big cars they drive, the power they yield in community. I don't know whether you are here. But some, if not most, wouldn't mind that position. I heard somebody say once, Ati, ah, me, you your position. What I mean, I'm cool and when you're going to sit again, 
And I make sure I eat before I leave. And I pull a proper. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought it's Christ first. Jesus is saying the preaching of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is not true because they're not doing what they're preaching. The Pharisees were very friendly to the leadership of the nation of Israel. Friendly to the Roman Empire. They were babies. They discussed how to lead the people. What has happened to a nation now? Jesus is attacking the leadership of the times, the posture of the times. Jesus is saying they put these church leaders, heavy loads on people that they, they themselves are not lifting. It's like me coming and telling you, read the Bible and pray every that is what Christ is talking about. They did things for people to see. They love the place of honor in banquets and meetings. You know those chairs? wanted to give me that. <laughs> they love being treated with respect. Ah, mchungaji niyaje? Pastor, reverend, hmm? bishop, hey, how are you one? Jesus is addressing the greatness we seek in the search for our identity. It is actually believed that one of the things we use to identify ourselves is greatness. So we search for greatness so strongly in our lives just so that our identity may be improved. That we may have proper identity. He is addressing those amongst us who desire greatness in the stamping of their identity. Mahishimiwa. You know? Dr. Alexander. Come on. You know? Reverend Doctor. You know the other, the other day, Leona Moja, the very reverend. The very apostle. Hey. Huh? Doctor, doctor, reverend apostle. Those who only want greatness in their identity have a problem. Some of us desire a title to complete our identity. And your purpose, Like what before. You better know I am engineer, so and so. There's a time that was my only goal in life. When I was in uni, hey, I was waiting for that day. Engineer. I was going to post it everywhere. Facebook, Instagram. Christ change direction. There are those of us whose occupation defines us. There are some who Possessions is what we use to define us. There are some of us, we need to be some credentials. But even achievements, what have you achieved? Is that you in God's house today? That in order to identify yourself even before the Lord, Ukulizo, who are you? Hey, I'm pastor. Hey, hey, boss. Minim Jugaj. 
Sasa tukakaribia kae kama 15 baadhi ni mchungaji. How do you define yourself when you ask who are you? Do you normally start with I almost became a doctor but this I'm I'm friend yes. Almost doctor. Almost engineer in the best schools in the country. Mimi nimeenda to the Nairobi school. But yeah, those guys wanna sana. Oh, alliance. How do you define yourself? Is there a greatness element in the definition of who you are? Nakama ego, you really don't you don't think you are anybody. Are you chasing a greatness in your life? In order that your definition might have oomph. Because how am I just friend? What do you mean? Friend, friend, who are who's friend? How am I just when you go up John? As human beings, we define ourselves healthily by number one gender. We do that. You're either male or hey. Let me tell that again. You're either male or how you don't believe in that anymore? You're near the left. <laughs> Prefer not to say. God created the male and female, guys. That will never change, no matter what the world says. We define ourselves by our beliefs and values. You believe in something. You value something. We define ourselves by our families, where we come from. Mimi ni inside, mimi ni wauko, mimi ni wauko. That's healthy. We define ourselves by our experiences in life, what we've gone through. Some of us have no parents. Some of us found ourselves in very difficult and dire situations in life. That's kind of healthy. But the unhealthy ones, occupation, possessions, credentials, achievements, social status. Hey, hey, it's unhealthy. So once again, how do you define yourself? Do you define yourself at the feet of God? Ama, are you the definer of your identity? If you are, occupation, possessions, credentials, achievements, social status. To those unhealthily identifying ourselves, to those desiring only greatness in their identity, to those who only know the occupation as their identity, you can't see anything else. To those who only know their possessions, their credentials, their achievements, social status, to those only who only know the title of dad and mom, mchungaj, reverend, to those who only know the places of honor, who only desire positions of power, held even by our politicians in our society today, to those who only know the title of money, because money nowadays is a title. Arab money. Not on a smile, but I like exactly what I'm talking about. To those, Jesus is directing us to the next spiritual discipline. The discipline which is also a gift of the Spirit. The discipline of service. Whoever wants to be great among you, Jesus has said, the greatest among you will be your servant. Are you a servant? 
today. Ama as life gonga diu proper ume gongo na watu mbaka mwesema hata iku sabi. Why should I serve others? Guys, allow, allow me to, to, to honor one of us here today. There's a lady who has run the training in power. Amekaa pale na ngele zile za pastor, where are you taking this? Where? Unapeleka hii wapi? And she did it with such a strong heart. Alitupeleka mbio, hey. Ipeleka mbio for service. Guys, let me honor Tim and Rosalind. Tafadhali. Tafigeni makopi. Those are servants. Weji ulize. Nasisemi ye are not servants. But the humble posture of servanthood has greatness that God has ordained. And the question today, as we look at the discipline of servanthood, is do you serve? Do you serve others? The Bible says, if you want to be exalted in life by the Lord, not your own dodgy ways and cunning methods, humble yourself before, before him. If you exalt yourself in this life by identifying yourself in your occupation, possessions, status, credentials, achievements in this dark life, God will do what? God will humble you. So which one, where are you? Do you exalt yourself? Or are you humble before him? How are you in terms of service before the Lord? Let me ask a question. What is the first sign that you're humble? Because, let me say this, this, this open. If you think you're humble, <laughs> if you think you're humble, if you think you're humble, hmm, so what class? What is the first time that you humble? you giving all your possessions. <laughs> What's the first sign you humble? It's very simple, guys. But you don't say you humble. Ah, you don't say it, but when you hint. Guys, the first time that you humble is that you admit you're a sinner before God. Admitting sin before him is the first sign that you humble. The Bible is very clear on that. That you can admit that you're wrong. That you are going maybe to hell if you don't accept the Lord. That you know that you are a mess. And you go before the Lord in confidence. In openness, saying Jehovah, Abba, and That's the first sign that you're humble. So the next time somebody tells you, Ah, many humble, Have you received the Lord? Are you Yes, there's a problem. Aye, what is the next sign that you're humble? Repeat out the first one. Come here to scripture. What is after salvation? What is the next sign that you're humble? We about this last year. 
Next time that you have September 2022. <laughs> Spotify. Discovering your gifts and serving the body of Christ. What do you need? The gifts of the Holy Spirit to Germany in the book of guys. Romans, First Corinthians, Ephesians 4. They are gifts. Prophecy, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Yes, Rabbi Shanda. Those are gifts. Apostleship helps, administration, evangelism, pastoring, celibacy, and voluntary poverty. Gifts of the Spirit. What is the next sign that you humble? Discovering your gifts. Guys, in September we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. As a child of God, once you come into salvation, find them. God has gifted each one in this room today with a gift. The, the thing you have to do is find them. He will reveal them through friends, family, church. Even in just volunteering for staff, you find out, Hiya, kumbe, I can't. So the next sign that you are humble, that you have the gift of humility, is finding your gifts and serving the body of Christ. Final question, what keeps you humble? Easy trick question. What keeps you humble? It is. It is. Serving. Never stop serving the Lord, guys. I was telling the team this morning. Never stop serving Him. Find your gift and begin to serve. What keeps you humble is serving the Lord. Some of us said, of all the spiritual disciplines, serving or service is the most conducive to the growth of the grace of humility within us. This is good news indeed, for we all know that humility is not one of those things that comes to us by trying to get humility. No, we must come to this most prized virtue through the indirect route of routine acts of service. Have you ever served somebody you don't like? You know that caboose that is annoying. Yeah. And then he tells you, oh, just get me some coffee over there in the tent. Who is someone, no? He's your boss. I would have But you're very close to the coffee cathedral, chai, you see. You know that? Or that person that doesn't like you, the enemy you have in your life. God told you never going to do anything in your life. And then you go to the countryside and say, ah, Kijana, nowadays you're grown. And let her kitty What happens when you go ahead with it? This is feeling of, hmm, okay. Quasi if you do it without complaining, what God hates the most. Routine acts of service keeps you in the place of humility. William Law was a church of England priest born in the 17th century. In his work writing a serious call to a devout and holy life, 
He urges us to make every day a day of, day of humility. Every day. How are we to do this? Law counsels, condescend to all the weaknesses and infirmities of your fellow creatures. Condescend. Cover the frailties. Love the excellencies. Encourage their virtues. Relieve their wants. Rejoice in their prosperities. Compassionate their distress. Receive their friendship. Overlook their unkindness. Why? Forgive their malice. Be a servant of servants, he says. Condescend to do the lowest offices to the lowest of mankind. It is through simple daily acts of service that the grace of humility will slip in on us and away us. The reason Christ beckons us to the ministry of service such a ministry flows out of the inner resources of the heart and flows life, joy, and peace. Maybe, just maybe, your peace lies in serving those that cannot serve you back. Maybe, just maybe. Look at what Jesus says. It's the same thing, but I say but differently. Matthew 25, 35 to 40. Let me read. I was hungry, Jesus said, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Thirsty, and give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger, and invited you in? Or needing clothes, and clothed you? When, he says, you did... When did we see you sick or in prison and, 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 go, and go and visit you? The king will reply, Christ will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's Christ. Are you serving? Especially those that cannot serve you back. Those that don't even like you. Are you serving? Do you have the gift of service within you? Who needs your service today? Who? And I'm sure there is. Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Do not out of selfish... Hey, selfish. Hey. Do, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the, in, the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The only reason Jesus died on the cross for us is because he chose servanthood. He chose it. Choose servanthood today, guys. Choose it. It will mean looking not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And I'm sure even now there is servanthood that is needed in your life, in the life of another. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow the pain of what you're going through stop you from serving? Ah, this person was not there for me 10 years ago. I need to kind of 
they were never present. When my child was in a difficult place, I went and nakaringa. Now they need me? What do you mean? Jehovah. I was talking with a couple this week, mm, Reuben and Frida, hallelujah, on the issue of selfishness being one of the biggest factors of unhappiness in marriage. Let me ask this question. How many think they're not selfish? Oh, this is what I asked them. Do you, how, how many are, are, are selfish? <laughs> Guys, self, we are all selfish. Hey, me, I love football. Caro hates football. Hates. Like, do you have games this weekend? I'm like, yes. Caro loves oats. Oh my God, oats. Oats. Jeez. I don't like oats. We are all selfish. And we are selfish. And we are selfish. We, are, we just grown. And we know how to maneuver through it. But it's still selfishness. The same way your kid screams and runs saying, ah, I don't, I don't. We do the same thing, but now we just compose. Yeah, I don't like Uji. I don't like Uji. <laughs> so everyone knows you don't have Uji. Hey, hey, boss. <laughs> it is only until you begin to love your neighbors yourself that you kill the demon of selfishness. Marriage is the best place. Oh, the marriage. Hallelujah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We are going to movies. No, me and I love series. Me, I want to have a boy first. No, me, I want to have a girl first. And remember when you are dating, we can discuss the issue of children. So, who's going to name the kids? Because, ah, see, I'll do it. Ah. We are not going to do it. Ah. Me, I want to do it. To country, yeah, here's the thing. If it's a girl, you have the authorities. No. Yeah, I don't know many. Like, why would I name you? If it's a boy, I'm going to name you. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, the girl came, Zara. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She named Zara. I'm like, yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, at least. Fukusama Scholastica or some crazy name, you know? <laughs> ah, the, we want the issues. <laughs> then the boy comes. Click on a story, dog up. So I went back to agreement. Remember what we. <laughs> Guys, marriage. <laughs> Single people, amen? If you don't love your neighbors yourself, you are never going to conquer them. Demon of selfishness. One day my wife says, I think our wall would do with blue curtains. Like blue what? Me had never seen blue curtains ever in my life. She goes, it will work. She goes and get the blue curtains. And Arudian, it looks nice. Ile kiburi ya kusema, hey, inakapoa. You know, took me a long time. 
Guys, selfishness. And each one of you here is selfish to the nth degree. If you do not learn to love your neighbors yourself, you'll never conquer it. Never. Never. So as we close, my question to you is, what defines you? How do you find yourself? Are you a servant? My hope is as we are going home today, servant will be part of your identity. That you'll begin to serve others, especially those in the kingdom of God. But you'll begin to serve in the house of God. If you don't serve, please begin. Servanthood will destroy so many demons in your life, especially that one of selfishness. It kills it. It destroys it completely. And Jesus told us the same thing. Love the Lord the God with all your heart. That's number one. Humility. Acknowledging that you do not know right, that you are sinful. Then number two, love others. It kills the demons in your life. Selfishness being number one. Do you desire greatness or is the identity in God? Guys, I want to beg you as we close today. Don't desire greatness. Don't desire fame. Don't desire to be uko. Serve people. Be humble. May you be known as that who serves. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love those that have not loved you back? Do you love your enemies? Because as long as you're past 12, you have one. Those you don't like, those that messed up the trajectories of your life, those that messed you up even in your workplace, got rid of you. Love them. Find the strength in God and love them. A servant's heart is humble and is discovering their gifts and serving the body of Christ. Join us every Sunday from 11am at Rubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.